Welcome to the Voice of Dr. Yen. I'm your host, Dr. Damon Yen, and today we will have another guest who has been already in our podcast at the beginning of the Voice of Dr. Yen, and she is. Claire Lopez, and Lopez is a national security expert. She is the founder and president of Lopez Liberty uh, LLC, and also she is a Middle East subject matter expert. She knows a lot about Iran,、uh, WMD, terrorism, Islam, and her expertise is of course in counterintelligence and. We are very happy to invite her here because now we every day we have hear a lot of news from both sides, Israel, U.S. as well as、um, the terrorists, the Hamas, and also the Arabic regimes behind it, Russia, China behind it. So we have heard the,、uh, all this voice from both sides and.、Uh, Each side will claim their justice. So the thing is, we need to really understand the history and understand a lot of terms before we have an idea. I mean, of course,、uh, if you understand humanity and if you see the massacre happened in Israel, I believe you will already have your idea. You, you will stand on the side with Israel and the United States because this is.、Uh, Representative of the civilized regimes. However, I mean, for a lot of people, especially when we see so many protesters in the Western countries holding the、um, slogan that "Free Palestine" and also、uh, the other slogans, even anti-Semitism. I mean, these are some definitely something wrong in our society. And if we check on social media and even on mainstream media, we will see a lot of that that kind of、uh, non-biased. Uh, reports, but if you listen to them, you will realize they are delivering a lot of misinformation, or they have taught it the concept to change your idea. To especially for people who don't have the full、um, understanding of the whole situation, it's easy for them to be、uh, misled by the propaganda and get. Brainwashed. So today we have Claire, and she is an expert in counterintelligence. She's an expert in Middle East issue. She's also an expert in Soviet Union. So she knows a lot of things behind it, even before many of us have、uh, heard some of the terms. So Claire, thank you for coming. And、um, could you initially、uh, give our audience a brief introduction about? How this? I mean, we we hear a lot of organizations like Hamas, Jihad,、uh, like the Hezbollah, and also we always have uh, have uh, things that people connect them with Iran and with、uh, even with Russia and with、uh, all these regimes. The same suddenly get together for the these terrorist terrorist campaigns. So could you give us an introduction to let people know the? Uh, connections behind it and be among this campaign. Why they suddenly will become all together and start to shout in front of us in the stage? Okay. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very glad to be with you、uh, once again. I appreciate the chance to、uh, speak with your audience. 
So when we look at the Middle East area of what we might call the Levant, Levant is a word from the French, really, meaning the rising, the rising of the sun. In other words, it refers to the east, okay? So historically, this area, I think we should maybe go back to uh, the Ottoman Empire. Let's start there. And before World War I, at the beginning of the 20th century, the Ottoman Empire was called the sick man of Europe. It was already collapsing. It was falling apart. And then after World War I, uh, it did fall apart, and Turkey was on the losing side of that war. Now, during the centuries of the Ottoman Empire, though, uh, Turkey ruled big, big parts of the Middle East, the entire Levant. Levant uh, encompassed not just what we would call Turkey today, uh, what used to be called Syria or Greater Syria, that's Al-Sham in Arabic, uh, and on down the Mediterranean coast, inwards all the way, let's say, to Mesopotamia, which would mean Iraq today, Jordan, uh, Saudi Arabia, all of that was ruled at one time by the Ottoman Empire that fell apart after World War I. And after World War I, the powers, the allied powers that won the war got together and said, uh, look, um, the Levant has been the homeland of the Jewish people for 3,500 years, going back to the Bible, uh, the Old Testament or the Tanakh. And they should have the right uh, now that the land is freed from the Ottoman Empire uh, to establish their own homeland, their own nation state in the Levant once again. And so the League of Nations gave authority over the Levant, uh, divided it really between the French and the British. The French were given responsibility uh, for what you might call greater Syria or today what, well, kind of used to be Syria, there is no more Syria. Uh, Lebanon, that was for the French. They administered it. It was their mandate from the League of Nations. Uh, but the parts of, of, of uh, the Levant that today include uh, the Jewish state of Israel, Jordan, um, and, and uh, Gaza as well, were given to the British in what was called the British Mandate for Palestine. Now, where did that word Palestine come from? Well, it comes from the Bible too. In ancient times, after the Trojan Wars, the people who participated in those wars kind of dispersed around the islands of the Mediterranean Sea. And they went in different directions. And some of them came to the southern coastline of the Mediterranean Sea. They were called the Sea People. And they were Indo-European people, not, not Middle Eastern people at all. Uh, but they had the name in the Old Testament of the Philistines. And as we know from the Bible, um, they were the enemies of the Israelite people uh, of the Old Testament. And that is where our story of David and Goliath comes from, remember. And um, so eventually, though, the peoples of the uh, Levant, except for the Jewish people, were assimilated and basically disappeared. They, they were absorbed into the bigger, broader Israelite 
um, Hebrew-speaking population, the Canaanites, the Jebusites, the Amalekites, and the Philistines. Well, fast forward to the Roman Empire, which was trying to rule over what they called Judea, Judea for the Jewish people, wanted to obliterate the identity of the Jewish people. And so they renamed, the Romans renamed the area uh, after the Jews' ancient enemy, the Philistines. That's where the name comes from, Philistine, Philistine. And that is how the name came to be associated with the Jewish homeland, the ancestral homeland of the Jewish people. But by the way, are the only people in the history of the world that ever had a kingdom in the Levant, uh, ever had a capital, the eternal and undivided capital of Jerusalem. It's never been the capital of anybody else except the Jewish people. But the Romans made this name stick. Okay, now let's fast forward back again. We were talking about at the beginning of the 20th century, when the Ottoman Empire collapsed, the British were given the British mandate for Palestine, and that's where the name comes from. That land included all of what is today the modern-day state of Israel, plus Gaza, plus all of Jordan. But what happened is that the British were sympathetic to the Hashemite clan, that used to rule over Mecca in what is today Saudi Arabia. But when Ibn Saud unified the tribes of the peninsula and took over Mecca, Ibn Saud's tribe kicked out the Hashemites who had been the Sharifs of Mecca for many centuries. And the British sympathized with them because they had fought with them against the Turkish Ottoman Empire. And so what the British immediately did with the entire mandate for Palestine, which was designated legally by the League of Nations for the Jewish people, it was split in half by the British. And half of it was given to what is today Jordan. And King Abdullah today is the grandson of the King Abdullah, his grandfather, uh, to whom the British originally gave that land. So that is how the land came to be split. Fast forward once again uh, to after the League of Nations, after World War II, the United Nations succeeded the League of Nations, but adopted all of the League of Nations uh, provisions about the Middle East, about the Levant, about uh, the uh, British mandate for Palestine. And even though they agreed to allow that half of it to go over to the new, brand new country that had never existed before of Jordan, uh, they supported the United Nations, just like the League of Nations before it, supported the establishment of a Jewish state uh, in the ancient land of, the, of, the, uh, 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 of, of Israel, Eretz Israel. And therefore offered in 1947, um, to split this, this, this land once again, <clears throat> the leftover land after Jordan was already taken, to split it again in two and half for the Arabs who were not native to the region. They had come in from Jordan and Lebanon and Syria and Iraq and Egypt. They weren't native to the region at all, but they were there uh, to split that land between those Arabs and the Jewish people. 
Immediately, the Jewish people with David Ben-Gurion as their leader said, yes, we'll take it, we'll establish a modern day state of Israel. But the Arabs immediately said, no, we can't have all of it. If we can't murder all the Jews and drive them into the sea, we don't want a country either. And they launched a war. Five armies invaded Israel uh, on the day of its birth in May of 1948 and attacked it. That was Israel's war of independence, which they won. Um, and so that is how the modern day state of Israel came to be. But those Arabs, aside from Jordan and Egypt, which both made peace treaties with Israel in later years, 1978 Egypt and 1994 Jordan, uh, the others never really made peace with the Jewish state of Israel. And um, the Soviet Union you asked about, um, back in the time of the Soviet Union, and then Russia too, um, meddled in the Middle East and provided support. Uh, Yevgeny Primakov was the KGB chief, uh, and before that he was the Soviet foreign minister. And they provided aid and assistance, money, training, weapons to Middle East terror groups like the Palestinian Liberation Organization under Yasser Arafat, who, by the way, was born in Cairo, Egypt. Um, and even to organizations which were not Islamically based, like the PFLP, the Popular Front for the Liber Liberation of Palestine under George Habash, uh, a secular, not, a, uh, not an Islamic. Uh, organization, um, but provided the support to these terror groups in hopes of, of opposing uh, Israel in a way that would diminish United States influence in the region. And the United States, of course, from the beginning, from President Harry Truman on through to the current day, totally support, I mean, fully support um, the Jewish state of Israel. Russia wanted Soviet Union, Russia wanted to drive a wedge in there. That's why they funded, founded, armed, trained um, uh, Islamic and other uh, terror groups in the Middle East. A lot of that training took place in the Bekaa Valley in Lebanon. Uh, there is where Sunnis and Shiites came together. The followers of the then at that time exiled Ayatollah Khomeini were there, as well as Sunnis, including the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, and the PLO and the PFLP and many more. But the KGB was the one training them in terror operations. So with that as the background, uh, maybe we can, we, can, we can go to any more questions, but that's the historical background. And we fast forward to today um, and understand um, that uh, Iran is now uh, the number one state sponsor of terror designated by the United States Department of State in the world, uh, and arms funds trains uh, under its aegis many of these um, in uh, the these Middle Eastern Islamic Jihad groups like Hamas, which has been ruling in Gaza, like Palestinian Islamic Jihad, a Shiite group also in Gaza like Hezbollah, which has taken over Lebanon and uh, under, under Iran's leadership and authority uh, rules Lebanon now, 
Um, and the Hashdashabi, as they're called, or the popular mobilization units, these Shiite militia groups uh, that are attacking American troops right now uh, in Iraq uh, and also in Syria, uh, they are the, I don't know, ideological successors to all that history I just went through. But the history is firmly based um, in the Quran, uh, and that is from the time of Muhammad back in the seventh century, who obliterated the Jewish tribes on the peninsula that came to be known as the Arabian Peninsula, wiped out the Banu Nadir, Banu Kanuka, Banu Koreja, these three very large and uh, peaceful, prosperous Jewish tribes on the peninsula. That's all in the Quran. It's also in the Sirah Wasulala, and that means the biography of Muhammad as brought to us in translation by Ibn Ishaq, um, the story of the enmity of Muhammad and early Islam to the Jewish people. Why? Because they did not want to convert to Islam. They wanted to remain Jewish. And so it is to this day. That's where we're at. That's why Hamas fights. That's why Hezbollah fights. That's why Palestinian Islamic Jihad fight. Uh, it is because the Jewish people do not accept Islam. They will not convert. They want to be Jewish. And so if you look at the Hamas covenant and other documents of these Islamic Jihad groups, you will see statements like in the Hamas covenant, which says Israel exists and shall exist until Islam will obliterate it as it has obliterated others before it. That's in the opening lines of the Hamas 1988 uh, uh, covenant. So let me stop there because maybe there are some questions from all of that. Oh, yes, thank you so much. I do have a lot of questions for you because uh, there are a lot of new concepts from for us every day when we listen to the uh, news and also go to check some materials, I realize, oh, there's something new I never thought about. Oh, this is something I thought already is in the history, but why suddenly come back? I mean, mm -hmm. for example, uh, Claire, I have, I have read that uh, actually anti-Semitism is a term uh, started in, at, from the, um, like, at the end of 1800 in Russia at that time, Russia actually has this kind of policies, anti-Jewish people, and later Soviet Union, Lenin and Stalin, they adopted it, and then uh, because they don't want to be the same as Nazis, so they use the anti-Zionist to replace this concept. Mm -hmm. So my question is, yes, it explains why Russian now previous uh, Soviet Union behind this Islam terrorist uh, organizations against Israel. However, for Hamas or Jihad or this kind of terrorist organization, we are all infidel, right? No matter Catholic, Christian, yes. uh, even the communist, they are the infidel. So when these extremist Islam uh, terrorists, they define everyone else as an infidel. How could those communist regime balance the relation with this terrorist organization? Because they should know that one day they are all the targets. Yes, I see what you're saying exactly. 
And um, I think the answer to that is that um, sometimes um, policies are, are followed because they are uh, opportunistic for the moment. They'll settle up later on between what we might call the reds and the greens, the communist Marxists versus Islam. And by the way, going back to the, to the origin of this hatred, um, it's not extreme. It's not radical at all. Uh, if we look at the, at the canon, the documents of Islam, the Quran, uh, the Hadiths, the sayings of Muhammad, uh, the Sirah, as we mentioned, the biography of Muhammad, uh, the tafsirs, the commentaries on the Quran, uh, they are all in agreement that the infidel, uh, they would call that the kufar in plural, uh, must be fought and killed wherever they may be found. Um, and so that is the origin of the hatred of Jews. Now, after the Romans and, and so many others uh, in other places and throughout history, um, expelled the Jewish people from their homeland, from where other places they were living. Um, they, 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 uh, they started pogroms and genocide against the Jewish people. The Jewish people fled in many different directions and, and they settled uh, in, in many different places. Those who remained, and, and Jews have always lived in the land of Israel, those who remained and their descendants are called Mizrahi Jews. Those who fled and settled in other parts of the Middle East, around the Middle East, North Africa, and on up into the Iberian Peninsula, today Spain and Portugal, are called Sephardim, Jewish people. And others fled even farther afield and went up into Europe, Eastern Europe, and Russia. And these are the Ashkenazi Jews. These three are all Jewish people. They share the exact same uh, genetic mitochondria. Those tests have uh, been done lately uh, to show that every single one of those groups is identical in the mitochondria of the DNA um, to the original Jewish people uh, of, of biblical times. But because they were often strangers in the lands where they went uh, and, and, and lived according to their own um, principles, their own biblical principles, um, they were often seen as other, of, as, as outsiders, and they were discriminated against. And, and from these, uh, this discrimination come the pogroms. And so uh, that, that is where some of the anti-Semitism comes from. Now, Semite simply means uh, people of the Semitic language group. And honestly, that would include uh, Arabic speakers, um, you know, and, and formerly uh, Syro-Aramaic speakers and so forth. Um, but as applied uh, today, that term is applied and means to the Jewish people. Now, the other term, as you just said, uh, Dr. Yen, is that they were trying, some, of pe some people were trying to replace anti-Semitism. Well, no, we don't oppose the Jewish people. We just oppose the Jewish people who want to live in the ancestral homeland of their people, in other words, Zionists. And so the term uh, anti-Zionist comes into play. Zionist simply means the Jewish people with an attachment to their ancestral homeland, the homeland 
of 3,500 years of the ancestors of the Jewish people. That's what that means. But but that's where those terms come from. Um, but throughout history, uh, there there has been vicious Jew hatred, which of course is doctrinal to Islam. I mean, it's obligatory uh, to the doctrine of Islam, but is now unfortunately shared by way too many people around the world. And we're seeing these horrific um, protests and demonstrations springing up all over, including right here in the United States and on our college campuses uh, with the most despicable uh, slogans and signs and placards being waved about. Um, and uh, in places in Europe, even like Paris and, and Berlin, uh, people are once again marking the homes of Jewish people with the Star of David. If you can even imagine such a thing, this is going on. Thank you so much. Actually, when I saw these uh, videos about the protest against Israel and anti-Semitism and also Free Palestine, and they, they're doing some violent things to uh, defend their kind of ideology. All I could say most of these people even don't have some ideology. They just uh, pour some slogans and they thought that means uh, freedom, liberty or whatever, but they don't know free Palestine or support Hamas. This kind of word actually is totally opposite to freedom, to what kind of um, society they expected. I mean, so in this case, I think we definitely need to talk about propaganda effects in the uh, all these campaigns, especially for the young people, for the Western people who actually have no idea about real communism or mm -hmm. the real this kind of religious countries regimes they don't have idea how people suffered, especially like women or LGBTQ people or I mean. Uh, Infidel. I mean, together, all the infidels, what they would suffer in such regimes. And before that, we have to have a short break. And uh, could you, uh, I think we could have one more minute before the short break. And uh, would you get some very brief word you want to deliver to those protesters who <laughs> now support Hamas, support these well terrorism people? Sure, we, we can go into this in more detail after the break, but we should talk about where Hamas itself comes from. Uh, it is, of course, a, on the American United States foreign terrorist organizations list, and for good reason. Um, and Hamas is the Gaza branch of the Egyptian, originally, jihadist Muslim Brotherhood, which has a presence through front groups all over America and on American university campuses, sad to say. Thank you. So let's have a short break and we will go back, continue our conversation. Thank you. Copix RX nasal solution has completed the circle and is now offering throat spray with povidone iodine. That completes the protocol doctors like Peter McCullough recommend. If staying healthy is important, you'll want to make sure to add throat spray to your next order of Copix RX. For a limited time and exclusive for America Out Loud listeners only, you can save 25% off your entire order. Let's double down against colds, flu, strep, RSV, HRV, COVID, and more. Click the banner or go to America Out Loud shop to get 25% off your entire order. 
Use coupon code OUTLOUD25. That's coupon code OUTLOUD25. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system becomes less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, Foreign Protein Cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. With the rise of independent media, we are now AmericaOutloud.news. For the genius of the United States is not found in its executives or legislatures, nor its ambassadors, authors, colleges, or churches, nor even in its newspapers or inventors. The genius of the United States is we the people. AmericaOutloud.news. Liberty and justice for all. Welcome back to the voice of Dr. Yin. In the last section, our guest Claire Hopage, who's a national security expert and also Middle East issue expert, has shared her knowledge with us about the history of Israel and those uh, Arabic countries around Israel, as well as the terrorist organizations, as we heard every day, like Hamas, Jihad, uh, Hezbollah. Some, I mean, of course, that is just a brief introduction, but it really gives us a lot of uh, understanding about the Russian Soviet Union behind it and also this kind of hidden connection to those Arabic regimes and why are they against Israel. And Claire, in this section, first of all, I would like to hear your opinion about the recent global pro-Hamas, pro uh, Palestine contest, uh, protest campaign. I mean, it's like overnight, just after the bloody massacre happened in Israel on 7th October, when people are all shocked to, to hear that babies are killed, women are killed and raped and they are burned, they are beheaded. All these things, I mean, none of human beings should do that. But why? 
we didn't see the large scale of the protest or support for Israel and to give the justice for the past people, past lives. Instead, we have seen a lot of free Palestine and pro Hamas slogans and this kind of marches come out. Uh, I think I have heard some people comment. They said most of these protesters, especially the Western people, they may have no idea of Palestine until the moment the protests start and immediately they join the pro Palestine free Palestine pro Hamas uh, campaign. So Besides the propaganda we have seen from Russia, from uh, terrorist organization, from China, which we can see clearly their, their shadow inside, what would what would you think will, I mean, inside this kind of large scale, unbelievable campaigns at the same time globally? I agree with you. It is it is shocking to see what is taking place. Uh, in our streets in America, in Europe, and, and certainly on our college campuses. But we have to go back a ways to understand where this comes from. And so remember we talked about the red-green axis. We could add black to that, red-black-green axis, red communists, Marxists, tyrannies, black, the Black Lives Matter movement, which of course is communist and Marxist, and green, of course, for the Islamic element that we're talking about. So if we go back to the 1917 Russian Revolution uh, that brought communism into Russia uh, and later then the Soviet Union uh, and now once again Russia, um, that communist Marxist ideology has spread all over the world, certainly to China, uh, but many other places and including has a presence in America and on American campuses among some of the uh, the very leftist and indeed communist Marxist um, ranks of, of the professors on these campuses. So you have that element which has used ideas like intersectionality, meaning whomever they designate to be an oppressed minority you know, once upon a time it was women, um, maybe it was, uh, you know, gays at some point in time. Now it's the LMNOP alphabet soup, um, and it's uh, others who are deemed to be marginalized or oppressed people, um, dividing, dividing the country uh, into interest groups, oppressed and oppressors. So that's the communist side of it. We have a preview of that if you want to look. Uh, at a very important book, chapter 13 um, of W. Cleon Skousen, former FBI agent's book written in 1958. It's called The Naked Communist. Take a look at chapter 13, which is called The 45 Goals of Communism Today, meaning 1958, and look how they talk about these issues we just raised, in particular, gaining control over the schools, the teachers' unions, and the curricula of all of these schools. Communists, the Reds. Okay, where does the green come from? Well, we talked about, of course, Muhammad, the seventh century on forward, but Hamas. So Hamas um, was a, uh, a, a, a successor, I guess you might say, to an original, a pro 
Muslim Brotherhood group um, out of Egypt, founded by the Sheikh Ahmed Yassin in Gaza back in about the 1970s. From that uh, emerged eventually by 1988 Hamas itself. Hamas is an acronym, and uh, in Arabic, if I pronounce it as well as I can, please hear Harakat Mukawama al Islamiya. In other words, the Islamic resistance movement. That's what Hamas means, and it is a Gazan branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. Well, what's the Muslim Brotherhood? Muslim Brotherhood is a jihad organization founded by Hassan al-Banna, a student uh, at the university in Cairo back in 1928, and he and his fellow students were upset that in Turkey four years prior, remember we're talking about the collapse of the Ottoman Empire, when Kemal, Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, took over what was left of Turkey after World War I, he secularized the government and he abolished the Islamic Caliphate, the last one then in existence in 1924. Well, Hassan al and his fellow students and many Muslims were very upset about this. And so in 1928, Hassan al-Banna founds the Muslim Brotherhood with the intention to bring back the caliphate, to rule over Islam and eventually all the world. That is their objective. That is their stated objective. And the objective is uh, to be found uh, in their motto, which uh, is, uh, uh, let's see, how does this go? Um, uh, Allah is our uh, is our God. The Quran is our law. Muhammad is our guide, and jihad is our way. Dying in the way of Allah is our highest aspiration. That's the motto of the Muslim Brotherhood to this day. Well, they spread all over the world, not just Gaza. Hamas, yes, in Gaza, but in the United States are many, many front groups of the Muslim Brotherhood which got founded here officially right after World War, World War II. Unfortunately, President Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1952 brought the leadership of the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood into the Oval Office of the White House, obviously not realizing who or what they were. But they got founded on the campuses of America with the Muslim Students Association in 1964 and spread from then till now across hundreds and hundreds of university campuses all over the country. That is part of this influence of Jew hatred on campuses. The other part uh, comes from other subgroups like the Students for Justice in Palestine, which is a campus branch of the American Muslims for Palestine, which itself is a Muslim Brotherhood front group and is a founding member of the USCMO, the United States Council of Muslim Organizations, the political umbrella group of the Muslim Brotherhood in America. These are the campus groups that have so much sway, not just over the students, but over the professors, the deans, and the campus leadership. And because many students go on to graduate and then themselves become professors and so on and so forth, rising up the ranks in academia, uh, that's how you get these campuses under the sway 
of not just the communists and the leftists, the Marxists, but also the green, the Islamic jihadi groups, especially like the Muslim Brotherhood. That's where this comes from. Oh, so yeah, Claire, when you talk about uh, Muslim Brotherhood, I remember you have talked about a lot of that before to me and mentioned that what they have done. And I have checked back to 2019, uh, U.S. government was seeking to uh, defend the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorism organization. However, also there are so many uh, experts, mostly uh, mostly Islamic experts. I mean, Americans, uh, for example, in Carnegie uh, International, some uh, foundation or groups, they have talked about it. It is a mistake to define Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorism organization because it will push the mild Muslim into the extreme side. So it seems that Mark hasn't uh, defined it as a terrorism organization yet. So now when we say that when Israel is under attack and the U.S. is also the target for those uh, terrorist campaigns and behind them there is Muslim Brotherhood clearly behind it and also of course Russia and China. Do you think it's necessary that American government uh, could, uh, could uh, define it as terrorist organization in a no, short period? I, maybe? In, in the past I opposed designating the Muslim Brotherhood to the United States Foreign Terrorist Organizations list because up until the most current time, the, the Sabbath massacre of October the 7th, in the United States, the Muslim Brotherhood and its front groups like CARE, Council on American Islamic Relations, or ISNA, Islamic Society of North America, and so forth, had operated mostly in the realm of subversion. Now that's bad enough. I think it's actually worse than terrorism, to, to tell you the truth, because subversion is so insidious that many people don't recognize it, whereas a flat-out terrorist attack is easily seen and then countered. And for that reason, I thought, no, we should focus on the Muslim Brotherhood as a source of, of subversion of our Judeo-Christian-based constitution. Nobody wanted to do that e either. But now, after the Sabbath massacre of October the 7th, 2023, Americans were killed. Americans were taken hostage and remain hostage even as we speak now. We are not sure how many. Um, this has 500, maybe. No, 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 no. Uh, that was a mistaken interpretation. 500 Americans means how many Americans might uh, citizens might be present in the Gaza Strip, but cannot get out now because the borders oh. are all closed. That's what that means. And it's not even certain that all of those Americans who are there want to leave. Uh, but that means those who are uh, within the Gaza Strip now, but cannot get out because the borders are closed. Among those we know being held hostage uh, by Hamas, uh, maybe many of them in those tunnels under Gaza, um, approximately, uh, uh, if I remember the number here, let me grab it quickly, around um, a few dozen. Uh, I'm not, I don't have the number right in front of me, but a few dozen, maybe as many as 40 or so, are actual hostages being held by Hamas. 
But the point being that this time, on the Sabbath massacre of 7 October, Americans were targeted and killed by Hamas, which is the Muslim Brotherhood uh, in Gaza. And so I think that at this point, I would revisit the issue of designating uh, the Muslim Brotherhood to the foreign terrorist organizations list. Now, of course, as we know, Hamas itself already is on that list, and that's where it should remain. Well, as long as it exists, which the Israeli um, defense forces are now going to destroy it, uh, as they should, as they must, uh, in, in Gaza. Sure. Oh, yeah. So today you told me that you wear in blue and white and you uh, wear the pin of a mark and Israel flag to show your respect to Israel as a long-term friendship. I and mean, you have been visited Israel for multi times and you've been to the area close to uh, Gaza and near the West Bank and uh, near Jordan. Israel is not a big country anyway. So when you see what happened in Israel today, I mean, when you at that time when you hear about the massacre happening in October, and when you see the anti-Semitism globally today, so uh, do you feel very surprised because suddenly Russia and China's influence and support become so strong and behind the Arabic regimes and they become united like Jordan. Jordan was, I mean, has a lot of conflict with Hamas for long term, but now they stand with Hamas against Israel. I mean, suddenly it's kind of all these Arabic countries change their faces and like Turkey, Turkey, Erdogan, I mean, Erdogan uh, flew to, oh no, Iran, Iran, the PM visit Turkey today and also he has met Hamas leader and he will go to other countries they become ally so altogether these things do you think uh, when you talk to the politicians or staff in Israel government do they have this kind of uh, anticipation before I mean this kind of crisis may happen one day or they believe they could Ma yeah. maintain the peace with the countries around all the times? Yeah. A, a lot of questions in there. <laughs> um, let's begin with, with the um, alliance among Russia, Iran, and China. These are the regimes, tyrannical regimes, not the same, um, communist uh, in China, of course, the Chinese Communist Party rules China. Um, a tyrannical regime in Russia under Vladimir Putin, who, like Hamas, has invaded its neighboring country, Ukraine, and committed slaughter and war crimes against the people of Ukraine for more than a year, going on two years almost. And then Iran, which is under uh, the Shiite uh, rulers um, of what they call Twelver, Islam, the followers of the 12th Imam in Shiite Islam. Likewise, tyrannical Islamic, the Islamic Republic of Iran. But these three are formed together uh, in an alliance. And um, we can see them backing up one another and backing Hamas uh, in, in the current conflict in the Middle East. Now, um, when, when we talk about, um, about Israel, um, and Hamas. Of course, they have been 
you know, fighting for a very long time. Um, after, um, after 2005, in 2005, maybe I should say, the Israeli government under then Prime Minister Ariel Sharon gave back Gaza, which had been taken in a war of defense legally uh, after the 1967 war, uh, but gave it back in 2005 to Hamas, pulled all the Jewish people, their homes, their, uh, their synagogues out, left behind for the Gazans. Um, very nice uh, greenhouses in which they could grow fruits and vegetables. And the first thing they did, of course, was to smash them all and destroy them, but pulled out all Jewish presence out of Gaza in 2005. No more Jews, no more Islamic Defense Forces in Gaza after 2005. None. Zero. Uh, in 2006, there were elections in Gaza, and Hamas was in the elections up against the Palestinian Authority that's got its headquarters in Ramallah, which is located in Samaria. And Hamas won. And they kicked the Palestinian Authority out and murdered them and killed them and threw them off rooftops. We saw this in horrible videos. So from that point onwards, the jihad organization of Hamas has ruled Gaza alone, all by itself and brought in weapons through tunnels under from the Sinai Desert into Gaza, provided by Iran, the Islamic Republic of Iran's regime, sometimes brought in by sea off the Mediterranean as well. And that's how they built up this large uh, stockpile of missiles and rockets, some of which they are now making themselves as well. So yes, when I when I was um, in Israel multiple times and near these places that were so savagely uh, invaded by by these uh, Hamas jihadis on October seventh, the Sabbath, um, I was in some of the communities nearby, like Sidrot. And I'll tell you what, in Sidrot they took us to a playground for children, but the playground was underground. The slides, the swings, the merry-go-rounds, everything underground to protect the children while they played from the rockets and the missiles that Hamas shot at them all the time. Other communities too. They also took us on another trip down into one of the tunnels uh, that crossed over from Gaza into a kibbutz uh, in Israel. And when we were down there, most of it was blocked up now. It was completely, you know, uh, emptied out and, and blocked up. It was blocked uh, by the Israeli Defense Forces once they discovered it, of course. But the part that we could go down into was completely lined, top to bottom and around, in concrete. Now, where did that concrete come from? It came from UNRWA, the United Nations Relief and Works Agency, the one and only United Nations agency devoted to refugees of one particular group only. Well, they gave with donations from the United States, millions of dollars, and Europe, all kinds of supplies, food, uh, as well as bags of cement. It was meant to build houses and schools and clinics in Gaza. But what did they use it for? They used it to make tunnels 
to invade into Israel and kill Israeli people. So that that is the 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 reality of of what we're looking at. Um, and then, of course, the the invasion happened on October the seventh, the Sabbath massacre. Uh, thousands of Hamas jihadis poured across the border. And by the way, after them came many, many hundreds of Gazan civilians who came to rape and loot after the Hamas jihadis had already murdered, as you said, women, children, elderly, chopped off heads, burned babies alive in their cribs. And you know how we know about this? We know about this because the Hamas jihadis themselves took videos of what they were doing. They were proud of what they were doing, and they put all the videos on social media. Now, the Israelis have put together those videos, and they're showing them now to journalists who didn't want to believe what these savages had really done. I think those videos should be shown on every campus in America and Western Europe, too. But every campus in America, those videos should be shown to the students and the faculty and the presidents and deans of those colleges and universities. I totally agree with you. Even as we have seen those uh, Hamas leader, like someone called Musa Abu Mazuk, talk about the turnoffs and not to protect civilians in Gaza, but to pro protect the Hamas fighters. And uh, all the things, I mean, I, we have seen enough report that all the things that supply to Gaza to help the civilians actually are uh, storaged by Hamas in the terminals for their own usage. And this is really like, I mean, it's not strange for our Chinese because it's like during Shanghai lockdown in the anti-COVID uh, policy period mm -hmm. last year, just Shanghai government, I mean, they store a lot of vegetables, food, medical supplies, but they don't supply it to people. And people just die in hungry and also in the emergency situation in Shanghai. So as a person from communist China, I would say definitely when Hamas talk about we need the global help for the human rights, I mean, this is totally a lie. But so many naive people, or pretend to be naive people, refuse to hear the truth. And since we have talked about this, uh, when we talk about the, you, you said they should see the video, they should see how Hamas recorded all these things, celebrate their uh, brutal behaviors. Back to China, Chinese Communist Party's propaganda also can reflect their attitude, like their a uh, top mouse piece of Global Time, Hu Xijin has posted a lot on social media, denying the uh, mm -hmm. beheaded crimes, and also talk about free Palestine, talk about, oh, Israel should cease fire and sit with Palestinian people, and talk about how to uh, negotiate uh, some peaceful deal, and then don't think about revenge, all these things. And also they're talking about, I mean, they're helping Russia, helping other uh Hamas campaigns in the UN to deny all those bills against Hamas. So, uh, Claire, we know that Israel always thought China would be their friend, and they helped China, communist China a lot in the past few decades. And they even believe that Russia could one day become their real friend or collaborator until, I mean, the, the massacre happened. So, 
when must happen when Israel sees a response from Russia and China, do you think they will still hold this kind of uh, beautiful hope that to be friends with these communist regimes or for their survival in the future, their security in the future, do you think they would change their attitude and uh, try to, I mean, uh, eliminate this evil ideology and the regimes from the world? You're making a very good point there, and that is the hypocrisy of tyrannical regimes and their leaderships, whether they be communist, whether they be Islamic, uh, as in Iran and Gaza. I think that there will be a lot of reassessment going on after this war is over. For now, of course, the objective must be for Israel and all of us who stand with Israel um, to defeat Hamas, to obliterate uh, certainly its leadership uh, from Gaza and along with that, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad so that those Islamic Jihad terror groups can never again threaten Israel, the Israeli people, harm, hurt, or kill them ever again. Thank you so much, Claire. And it's very uh, great we can have you today to share your knowledge with us. And I do learn a lot. And I hope you can return to my uh, podcast in the future to continuously share your knowledge with us. And for the voice of Dr. Yan every Saturday and Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, we will be on air from America Out Loud Radio Network and iHeartRadio. After that, you can listen to it from various apps for free, like Pandora, Spotify, and Google Pass. 